disadvantaged um, with what's going on in our lives maybe things we have no control over and if we can identify with Moses when he said I am with a stammering tongue please send someone else sometimes we feel like there's so much that we are lacking and yet God has called us uh, to serve him in unique ways sometimes we compare our abilities with other people's abilities and we don't match up at all and we feel like maybe someone else should be sent and not us all i pray that tonight you'll be encouraged as we look at uh, some of our weaknesses and how god can use those uh, to carry out his glory let me read for you from exodus chapter 10 and maybe give you a context of our discussion uh, tonight in Exodus chapter 4 from verse 10 we'll start right at where Moses answers the Lord and Moses said to the Lord oh Lord I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant but I am slow of speech and of tongue then the Lord said to him who has made man's mouth who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind is it not I, the Lord, now? Therefore, go, and I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Cabin Devils. My co-host tonight is Lucy Lou. She is back. What's up? What's going on? I'm just saying hi to everyone. JJ, um, Thomas Superman Richardson. Hey, Tron Cat, uh, Lindsay, Katie. Hey, Katie. Uh, Joachim, L. L. you're just a good girl. DJ Josie. You're all very welcome. We'll enjoy ourselves. While I was thinking about this topic, Lucy, there's this story I read of uh, Jerry Bridges when he talks about trusting God. And in chapter 11 of his book, he says, trust God for who you are. Um, and I think he's speaking this from uh, Psalm 139, verse 13, that says, for you created me, you created my innermost being. You created my innermost mm. being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. To what be. encourages you most, Lucy, about that verse when you, when you think about it? Let me read for you again. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be how detailed does the creator get it doesn't get any more detailed than that for me that just tells me nothing happens by chance every mm. single circumstance in my life is working in perfect tandem with his purpose for me mm. everything the good the bad the ugly is all mm. as in he's not he's not shocked amen you know, when I think about this, I, I, I think of uh, I think of ladies who are expecting, and uh, mm -hmm. sometimes we do not know what's going on inside there. 
Um, mm-hmm. But you go to the scan and you're seeing like, a thing wibbling around. Uh, I remember the first time when uh, we went to the scan when we were expecting faith, we saw literally a mm-hmm. dot beeping. And the doctor said, that's the heartbeat. And we said, you must be kidding. Wow. This is a full stop that is beating. And today we see this full stop running around, being called and taking its time to respond to the parent. Then you see this dot running around and giving you a hug and saying, I love you, daddy. Have a good night, daddy. And you say, what? He knew all of this. He put all of this together. And that full stop is each one of us listening in tonight. We're more than just digits uh, showing up here on Cabin Devils. I think we are God's plan. We are God's plan. And I think the action of knitting has the concept of carefully weaving one thread after another. Each of our muscles and ligaments, God putting them together for his good. But here's a problem, Lucy. I think sometimes we look at ourselves in the mirror we compare with the pictures that we see online and we don't like what we see. I think that's where the problem usually comes from. We don't like what we see. We see imperfection. And let me ask Lucy a question here. Lucy, maybe you were in high school, maybe you were younger, maybe you have a friend. You can speak for the friend. Is there things sometimes you looked at and you say, God, why? Why? Why is this foot bigger than the other? No, I'm just kidding. Your feet are, your feet are equal. But is there anything that... <laughs> you look back once and you say, Oh no, oh no. Can I take this back well, and get another piece? I, w- <laughs> I will. Well, obviously, I'm speaking for a friend. Um, yes, but don't say names, as, don't mention names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I look back, I look back, and I always looked in the mirror and looked at my hands. I have those hands that have uh, like the veins like stick out, they're, they're so visible all the time. So I always looked at my hands and I'm like, Lord, why do I have such bony hands? And I looked at my friend's hands and they were so perfect. They were filled out. They were, as in when they painted their nails, they just looked amazing. And I just thought I had the, the ugliest hands on the face of the earth. And I always wondered, I would try to always hold my hands up so that the veins, mm. as in the blood, doesn't overflow into the veins. <laughs> but, but I've reached the age where even when I hold them up, it doesn't work. <laughs> as in they're there, they're there to stay, and God put mm. them there. And I hated my hands. I hated my hands. I hid them at every opportunity. But mm. there's a huge. Other said something else. You, oh no 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 no. It it wasn't about Arthur. <laughs> it wasn't about Arthur. This one, God showed me himself. Because mm. out of all these hands that I thought were terrible and all that, he used, he filled with so much talent. My mm. mother, it's actually my mother who opened my eyes and said, Lucy, mm. you're artistic. You can do things with your hands. I love to cook, I love to bake, I love to draw, I love to color, mm. I love music, I play instruments. My hands do so many things. And now I am mm. so thankful for these hands. 
I'm so thankful. Mm. I at some point, okay, this this was a bad one, but while I was on in college on campus, I actually liked them because they were bony and when I when I would give someone a slap, it was for real. <laughs> they felt it nicely. But okay, that was that was that was not a good thing to be proud of. But, mm. but yeah, I saw I began to see the purpose I know hands is mm. a very small thing. People have more intense issues in life, mm. and I could mention mm. bigger things. But I thought that would be a good mm. place to start. Well, 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 well. I remember those hands at some point were magalu. Now we enjoy piano. We enjoy piano and and the beautiful music that they can they can be able to play. So. It is something that we really, some people wish they could play, like you do, mm-hmm. and, and they can't, and they can't. The coordination just cannot work. I personally don't know how two hands can do two different things. Um, it's it, while playing piano, I just cannot imagine. But again, I'll be sharing with you, ladies and gentlemen, very shortly. Maybe I should right now. Um, one of the things you guys if you've seen one of the other okay not one of the reasons if you still had the picture there uh, the former former logo of cabin devils with me smiling you know i have a gap in my teeth and uh, having watched several soap operas you know you begin to compare your teeth i don't know if you guys ever watched sunset beach how many of you are old enough to remember sunset beach if you are there please Maybe just give me a thumbs up so i can feel younger <laughs> I want to feel younger. If you remember something, bitch, let me see your, your hand. Give me a thumbs up. Oh my goodness. I think we have children on the show, Lucy. I'm thankful I don't remember the names in Sunset Beach. I just remember faces. The face of one particular was... guy with black hair. Yes, the one who had dimples. His name Cole. was Cole. Was His name was Cole. Oh, yes. I. His name was no, Cole. Let me see. I wasn't there. I oh don't know goodness. how that came out. There's no one here. I'm <laughs> asking what no, is JJ. Sunset Beach. JJ says it Snacking. had a catchy Snacking. intro song. Oh. Yes, yes. I L, do remember. L, L, um, stop lying. Oh. I know. L, please L, repent. L, anyway, it's down it's on okay. your knees right it's now. Okay. No, Ellie's crush is on the show right now. She cannot appear to be. She cannot appear to be older than she says she is. So you will be forgiven. But there was this guy who had a perfect smile, and once in a while I would look, and uh, I would be like, I wish I was like that guy. He had the abs, six packs. I think there were eight packs, and I hated the gap. I hated the gap in my teeth. Really hated the gap in my teeth. I wish there was a way to fill it up, but you know you're old and teeth are not growing any further uh, than they've grown. And uh, but you know what? I had no choice but to live with the gap. And then came this very beautiful day when I went to visit Grace's family, and uh, Grace is introducing me to her family and saying, "Here is my boyfriend" in their local language, and I could not communicate with the grandma. I couldn't communicate with the grandma because I never knew the language. I, I couldn't speak Ateso. And 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 she looked and smiles. And she has a gap also. And oh. she whispers to Grace and says, Oh my goodness, his gap is natural. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And here's a full story. While she was younger, she knocked out her tooth to get a gap like mine. Wow. Literally got a stone and knocked out her tooth so she can have a gap like mine. Yeah. We couldn't say much, only the gaps were communicating. And that's how I got accepted in Grace's family because of my gap. So I have a beautiful wife next door who thinks I'm the most handsome guy there is. Look at how good it is a, a gap that I didn't like to have me have a family with a beautiful wife giving birth to beautiful kids and uh, ladies and gentlemen give thanks for your for your imperfections at least according to you and remember that he said in his word that we were created we were created our innermost being innermost being literally knit together in our mother's wombs and so Even as we think about Moses um, and, and him telling God how he's stammering, he's not eloquent enough, I mean, he, he can't do it. He's, in fact, at some point, he suggests and says, God, why don't you send someone else? This is not me. And the Bible says, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Burned against Moses. Let's be careful what we wish for, but let's be grateful. Let's be thankful for what God has made us. Lucy, what are your thoughts? Concerning tonight's topic. Yeah, I, I just like I mentioned earlier, God makes no mistakes, and mm. oftentimes we get caught up in our own agenda and the way we think things should be, and in our own finite thinking. And yet, God's mm. ways are way higher than our ways. Way higher. His thoughts are beyond. We can't begin to fathom the depths of his, uh, which psalm is that, or is that Isaiah, David? We'll look that it up. That talks about? Hmm. That talks about uh, his oh. ways being higher than our ways. Yeah. His For your ways are higher than my ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it's, go ahead. Yeah, it's also even, sometimes we can even begin to look at the good things and see them as bad because mm. there's a certain way we want to fit in. Uh, you can want to fit in so badly. I'll use another example of myself in wanting so badly to fit in. I, I despised the exposure that my parents gave me to so much, so much. Uh, we were not like rich and dripping with money, but they, mm. we never lacked anything. And for one reason or another, I never seemed to fit in with the girls that I wanted to fit in with. This was my teenage years. I just mm. never measured up. And for I would give, give away my things just so I would fit in with them, just so I could be accepted. And I despised my own upbringing, thinking that it robbed me of being able to fit in. And yet God... Mm. <laughs> As in, it's later as I grew in my relationship with God that I saw that it's them that had, that needed to grow. It's for them, as in, them putting me down was, as in, it was all upside down. So that's just to show sometimes even we can look at the good and see it as bad because our eyes are so mm. fixated on the wrong thing. The wrong thing. Mm. We're admiring. Um, where's that psalm that says, "How come the wicked prosper?" Mm. Um, so you see people do bad things, and yet they're being celebrated for it. 
um, people make bad choices and they're getting major breakthroughs anyway. And you're like, eh, what's that? How mm. can I walk the straight and narrow and it's not working out for me? And so you mm. think that it's the bad road that actually brings good things. And yet it's the other way around. Mm. So I don't know if that has taken you out into the fields instead of bringing you home. <laughs> I tend I'm, I'm to just do that thinking to about, you. I'm just thinking about uh, what, what you've been sharing and uh, us envying another kind of lifestyle. And, you know, we never think about these things maybe until we are in the quietness of, uh, of our lives when we begin to wish for things that uh, maybe have been denied of us by life. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are moments where I wished my dad was here, the moments I wished different things. Um, and, and, and forgetting that he knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And one of the things I always thought about is we choose so many things in life, but we never choose the families we are born in. That is a gift from God. The location where we are born, that is a gift from God. Who we are is a gift from God. And we never fully comprehend these when we begin to wish for another life, when we begin to wish we could be someone else. We need to be thankful for who we are. I promised to read for you um, this story by Jerry Bridges from his book, uh, Trusting God, which is also the same book, I mean, a, a similar title that you see in chapter 11, Trusting God for Who You Are. I already read for you Psalm 139 for verse 13 and 16. And uh, those of you who just joined us, let me read for you again. It says, For you created my innermost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Not just the body that he knitted, but the days were ordained. In other words, he also says, teach us to count number our days. Why? Because we are here for a purpose and we need to understand that, yes, who we are, is part of that purpose. He needed us together to accomplish that purpose and he set days and he said, David shall be present on this earth for this number of days. And today is one of those days. We need to look back and maybe believe that we've done the best and taken the most out of today because that is part of the days that he numbered us to be. Now you imagine we just wasted a day not happy, not glad for what he made us. And this is what Jerry Bridges writes in his book, uh, in chapter 11. He says, I can still remember trying to play baseball as a youngster in elementary school. I could neither bat nor catch well because I could not tell where the ball was or judge how fast it was coming to me. I did not know until years later that my inability to play baseball was due to my having monocular vision the ability to focus only one eye at a time. Depth, perception, which is normal with most people, is based on binocular vision. The ability to focus both eyes together to produce a stereoscopic or a three-dimensional effect. I have had this problem all my life, or at least since infancy. Even today, I experience apprehension each time I go to renew my driver's license. 
I wonder if the examiner will not renew my license because I cannot pass the depth perception part of the eye exam. I cannot play tennis and I will not dare step into a handball or racquetball court for fear I would be hit right in the face with the ball. But as a youngster, I didn't understand why I would not play baseball with the other boys. I just knew that I felt shame and rejection because I was not like they were. Of course, many people have physical or mental impairments that are much worse than mine. But whether they are major or minor, these disabilities often cause childhood headache and then later on difficulty with self-acceptance as an adult. When we become Christians, we may begin to struggle with God over the disabilities and the limitations that we have. Other people who have no disabilities struggle with problems of physical appearance. Their ears are too big, or their nose is too long, or their body is some way does not match normal proportions. Still, other people have difficulty with temperament or emotional traits. Others struggle with unavoidable environmental and hereditary factors over which they have no control. Now, whatever the problem, many people struggle to accept themselves as they are. For, for them, life is just a continuous adversity, not from outside circumstances, but from who they are. End of quote. And I want, I want to just stop there for a bit there and, and just literally re-echo the problem he just talked about, where for most people life becomes full of adversities that are not from outside circumstances, but from who they are. And I think that can really chew on your life. That can really grind at your heart because that concept of who we are and what we are dissatisfied with is present with us day in, day out, night and day, when we are laying down, it, it is just right there before us and, and it's chewing on us. Whatever the problem, many people struggle to accept themselves as they are. And these circumstances, it says, for life is just a continuous adversity. Can you imagine? From outside circumstances and from who they are, and, and he says in his book, he says, their greatest need is in, in trusting God may be to trust God for who I am. For those with this need, Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16, has some very important and helpful things to say. Maybe let me just open Psalm 13 and read for us the entire uh, three verses uh, together. This is Psalm 139. Psalm 139. If you have your Bibles, please um, open Psalm 139. We'll read from verse 13, and I'm going to read slowly through to verse 16. He says, For you formed me, for you formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. That is verse 14. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully mad. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depth of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, 
the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. <gasps> this verse is talking about even the substance that formed us, he knew, he knew. He says, because God created us the way we are, not because of an impersonal biological process that he never paid attention to. Now, notice in verse 13 that David says to God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And this is what Jerry Bridges has to say. He says he pictures God as a master weaver at work in our mother's womb creating us directly as he created Adam out of the dust of the earth. Now, obviously, David was aware of the biological process that God used to bring him into this world. He doesn't deny that. Rather, he teaches us that God so superintends that biological process that he is directly involved in fashioning every one of us into the person that he wants us to be. Now, the first part of verse 13 says, For you created my innermost being. The Hebrew word for innermost being is literally, <laughs> you won't believe this, it is literally kidneys, a word used by the Jews to express the seat of longings and desires. The New International Version Study Bible says the word was used in Hebrew idiom for the center of emotions and of moral sensitivity. David then is essentially saying, you created my personality. Not only did God create David's physical body, he also created his personality. David was the person he was because God created him that way, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And just as God was personally involved in the creation of David, so he was directly involved in creating you and me. This is what uh, uh, Reverend James Hofstetter said uh, when he said, and I quote, you are the result of the attentive, careful, thoughtful, intimate, detailed, creative work of God. Your personality, your sex, your height, your features are what they are because God made them precisely that way. He made you the way he did because that is the way he wants you to be. If God had wanted you to be basically and creatively different, he would have made you differently. Your genes and your chromosomes and your creaturely distinctives, even the shape of your nose and ears, are what they are by God's design. Psalm 139 verse 13 is not, is not the only passage in the Bible that speaks of God's direct creation of each one of us. And I'll finish with this. It says, Job said, your hands shaped me and made me. Remember that you molded me like clay. And he asked the question, did you not clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bone and sinews? This is Job 10, 8 to 11. Now the person writing this is one who has boils and wounds all over his skin. And he remembers that your hands shaped me and they made me. And he asks the question, did you not clothe me with skin and flesh? This is a guy who went through some of the very, very, very difficult moments of losing his entire family in one day and being, and being 
uh, literally tortured by the enemy. This was like being tortured literally by the enemy and, and, and saying, why don't you curse God and die? Why don't you curse God and die? And he's the one who is saying this to God. He's saying, your hands shaped me and they made me. The writer of Psalm 119 said, your hands made me and they formed me. And God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. Uh, uh, this is Jeremiah chapter 1 uh, and verse 5. And I want to end also with, not more like a disclaimer, but a reminder. A reminder that the application of this truth should be clear to us. And uh, it says, if I have difficulty accepting myself the way God made me, then I have a controversy with God. Obviously, you and I need to change insofar as our sinful nature distorts that which God has made. Each one of us needs to change insofar as our sinful nature distorts that which God has made. Therefore, I do not say that we need to accept ourselves as we are, but as God made us in our basic physical, mental, and emotional makeup. Because sometimes who we are can be a distortion because of sin. And in those areas, we need we need to change. We need to change. I did talk about emotional makeup of uh, how God has made each one of us. And if you are basically most of the time angry, you cannot say that is who I am. That is how God made me. Because we need to change in as much as where our sinful nature distorts that which God has made. I don't think God created angry beings. I don't think God created uh, bitter beings or sorrowful beings. I think God created beings, human beings that are social, that are building each one, each other up, men and women that are loving and building his kingdom. And if any of our personalities are but distorting that which God has made, which could also mean uh, maybe tearing apart his kingdom and the work that he's doing, in those cases, we have to open our eyes and change. Let's go back to to um, to Exodus and just note two things from this passage. When Moses tells God, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, when he says I'm slow to speak, uh, to speech and of tongue, we notice here that the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And uh, he asks him the question, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And you know, when you hear questions like these, especially us who are parents, when you walk to up to a child and you ask the question, they can literally tell that this is not a question I need to answer. When you say, who told you to touch the remote? That's not the point where, that's not the time when the child begins to answer that's the point where they look at the father and they know this is not the time to answer. This is the time to apologize for what I just did. And I think that is the sound I'm seeing in these particular uh, questions that God is asking Moses. Because when you refuse to go, when you say, please send someone else because of how you made me, it sounds like you're saying it is your fault that I cannot do what you're asking me to do. Now, why would God send Moses to a place and not equip him to do what he has called him to do. And that's why he asks him these questions. Who made man's mouth? 
Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I'll be with your mouth. Can you imagine? I don't even know how this is going to happen. I'll be with your mouth. Go and I'll be with your mouth. That's that's something that is really um, interesting to think about. He's saying, whatever you're going to say, I am going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm not, I'm not about to leave you. And, and who makes him mute? And seeing or blind, say, therefore go, I'll be with your might and teach you what you shall speak. Moses was courageous. I don't think I would answer these questions. Moses goes ahead in verse 13 and says, oh Lord, please send someone else. Please send someone else. And I I see two things from this passage. I think number one, when we begin to dwell so much on what we are unable to do, I think number one, it is an excuse to blame God. It is an excuse to blame God. But I also think, number two, it is an excuse not to go. It is an excuse not to go. And for me, that is really one of the clear signs. For the few years I've been a parent, clear signs of a child who is rightly saying in their heart, I'm standing up, but in my heart I'm sitting. That's the epitome of disobedience. To blame God for how he made us and then go ahead and give him the same excuse and say, because of how you made me, I'm not going. Those are excuses, literally not to go. Excuses not to go. I don't understand fully what the Lord means when he says, I'll teach you what you must speak. It should have been, I will tell you what you shall speak. But when he says, I will teach you what you shall speak, I think it's more detailed. It's more detailed. And along the way, Moses learns lessons. Moses learns things. Moses is equipped through his life to be able to be the leader that God wants him to be. By the time he's talking to him, he's already taught him lessons. By being 40 years in the desert and following sheep, he's already taught him. He's already equipped him. He's given him family. He's given him very good family. If you look at verse 18, Moses goes back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt. If you remember, eventually Moses is going to come across his father-in-law again and is going to give him advice concerning breaking up um, the responsibilities so he doesn't break his back. God has equipped him with the right family. He's equipped him with the right um, with the right uh, preparation in terms of skills on leading people. And God knows what he is doing. God knows what he's doing. And the other thing we need to appreciate is usually he has not called us alone. In as much as he's talking to Moses alone at this point, I think he has talked to Aaron as well. And even as we serve, as we walk this journey, um, as as we begin to serve God in this very difficult journey, trying to figure out life, let's not forget that there are people who he has spoken to and pointed the same direction. And maybe the things we cannot do are things someone else can do. They just need to be a part of the team. They just need to be a part of the team. And maybe they just need to be invited to be a part of the team. And so I think this is one very clear sign that even the things he's called us to do, we cannot do alone. We need to work with others. We need to work with others. And I think the ability to work with other people to understand it's not a competition, but it's it's us serving alongside each other to accomplish the same goal is very, very important. 
And so wherever God has called you right now, wherever you are right now, maybe in your workplace, um, I know in, in several places, especially in the workplace today, almost everything can turn out to be competition. But at least let's be well behaved within the church or within ministry that we will see others as part of the body. We will see others as part of the body of Christ and equip them and seek to see their growth and not a competition, not a competition. Let's serve alongside each other. Let's appreciate each other's gifts. The things we cannot do, maybe someone else can do. And the things we can do, maybe we can do better with other people supporting us. I pray that tonight you have been at least caused to think through some of the ways God has called each one of us uniquely. Uniquely. We are unique. We are not, there's no other David. There's no any other David. There's no any other Lucy. There's just one David, one Lucy, one Elena. There's only one James. There's no other. And we need to appreciate what God has equipped us with. There's only one Moses. There's only one Aaron. And the Lord said in verse 13, uh, I mean, when he said, please send someone else, he says in verse, uh, verse 14, then the Lord, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. I think at this point, Aaron would have said, why didn't God call me? Why didn't he speak to me the same way he spoke to Moses? But he sees Moses' role and he is glad in his heart to be Moses' assistant. He says, you shall speak to him, this is verse 15, and put the words in his mouth and I'll be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your right hand this stuff with which you shall do the signs. And then that's when we see Moses setting out in verse 18, back to his father in law to let him go. He says, please let me go, let me go, let me go. And I think that will be a topic for another day where we have to consult family. Who else do we need to talk to before accomplishing, before going forward? Well, how can we go in peace? How can we go in peace? How can we serve God in peace? That will be the topic for another day with a blessing from other people. When do we take other people's advice? When do we ignore other people's advice as we carry on what God has called us to be? With gates open wide And there's a seat at the table just waiting for you So come on inside Lucy, what do you think about Exodus chapter 4 in verse and verse and verse starting from verse um, it should be verse 10 when it talks about Moses as we're talking about this passage and Moses's imperfections and Aaron coming through, what came to your mind, Lucy? Any thoughts? And if anyone of you has a thought, you can uh, maybe let us know what you think. You can see Karen is here with us. Uh, someone else here called Erica just joined us. Grace Natalie is here as well. Bala, you are welcome to come in. If you have any thoughts, please type them in the uh, comment section below and uh, encourage us. Let's let's go together in the next uh, maybe five minutes that are left for Cabin Devils. But Lucy, what do you think? Yeah, the first thing that resonated with me, um, well, that, that really just stayed, <laughs> I, I stuck on that one was when you mentioned Aaron. And just before you mentioned what you did after, I had just had the same thought as in, I was like, 
uh, why didn't God send Aaron in the first place? As in, really? Why? And that, that's something that got me thinking, that God makes no mistakes. He has chosen who he has chosen to do what he wants done for a reason. And it's amazing how he chooses the, uh, the weaker vessels. Uh, there's that verse in which gospel is it that says he, the foolish things. He chooses the foolish things of the, of the world to confound the wise. As in, what on a worldly basis I will look at and just um, look down on or despise, God will use that for his glory. He will use that as his, that's God's perfect vessel because it can take no credit for itself. It can take absolutely no credit for itself. And that's, um, that's, that I think that's, that has been the way God has worked throughout the ages. That mm. the glory always goes back to Him. We can take no credit for ourselves. Interesting. The verse you're referring to is First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-seven. For it says, "But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong." Exactly. Mm-hmm. God makes no mistakes. Adra is adding. God makes no mistakes. It's simple yet direct. And Shaka says, God sees us as we will become, not as as we are at the start. Yeah, Mm. that's true. He sees the end from the beginning and all we can see is the now and we get Mm. stuck there. And God Mm. has already seen 20 years from now. He's like, eh, when David is a judge, this is what's going to be going on. Which I will have moved him to the Bahamas. He'll be a missionary in the Bahamas. <laughs> Still running cabin divorce. Faith, <laughs> faith will be you remember, uh, you, the one you, you, representing. Do you remember how Sarah laughed at, outside the tent? That was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you laugh. You will well, remind you. Well, shall be cabin divorce. Cabin devils shall be cabin devils, whether in Rwanda or Bahamas or Uganda or Chigali oh, yeah. or Nairobi. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to bed, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin devils. Cabin devils. Your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.